The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Psalm, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. So how would you, you know, if we could have a little Q&A session, if you, somebody's going to, I wonder who will be the first one. It's probably one of these fireballs for God up here. But if you were going to describe God in a word, what are some of the words you'd use? Just speak it out. Buttercup, this is your chance, brother. Um, and so just give me a word. Share a word with me. Louder? Okay. Oh, who said that? You can go home now. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, that might be, wow. Somebody got up early this morning. That's good. Anybody else? Powerful? Okay. By the way, don't ever hire a deaf preacher without hearing aids. It's bad. Um, it's, what's that? All-encompassing? Wow. That's pretty good. <clears throat> you know, the reality is um, that, that that word, that that word that you use is right for a time, but there is no word to describe God's, God's personhood. And, and it, should, it should always be uh, uh, revelating through our spirit and through our lives that we see him in a greater fashion, in a greater way. And your revelation of God and how I see God and how that works out might, might, um, might not be the same. Here's the clue. Here's the thing. That's why I need you, Melinda. That's why I need you, because your revelation of God takes me further into the, into the heart of who God is. Amen? All right. Well, in uh, the book of John, the uh, first chapter, it says, uh, it says the Jewish people of that day didn't receive, didn't receive Jesus. But it says, but to those who received him, he gave them the right, he gave them the privilege, he gave them the authority to be called children of God. And I think that in our Western culture, I don't know, I'm not sure how it's been revealed to you, and I don't want to rain on anybody's, um, you know, on, on what's what, on their thinking, but the Bible says, to as many as received him, he gave them the right. He gave them the, the, the authority. And that's really the Greek word that it would use, that, that that word would be used in the New Testament as authority, but the authority that they might be children of God. And yet so many times in our microwave culture, we bring somebody comes to the altar and, and they pray to receive Christ and and they um, and we say, okay, you're a child of God. Go sit in your chair, and uh, you know the black box is in the back. It's okay, and uh, and so on. But that's not what the scripture says. In fact, in uh, 
in Ephesians, it says that at the point when we were converted, that you received the spirit of adoption who's put into your heart and put into your life and, and, and understanding that um, God, lo- you know, God loves you, he cares about you, everything like that, but, but you received a spirit of adoption and the, the word in other places talks about the heart of that spirit of adoption put in your heart causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. I mean, it's, it's what we receive and it is, it is also the thing that is put into our innermost being to cry out for, the, for our Father, our true Father in heaven. And, and, and a problem, okay, just, but one of the problems is, guys, just listen to this, is that somebody comes to the altar and they pray a prayer and, and they, receive, they receive Christ into their life. And, and then they go and they hang around people that speak Christianese and they say, well, is there more? Well, yeah, I mean, they don't, they just think, well, they hear, you know, I have special friends here today that come uh, to see me set myself on fire up here. Um, but they, they go away from that moment of justification and somebody tells them that that's, that's it, you've got it. We used to have bumper stickers back in the late 70s, 80s. I found it. You know, I understood it then. But I see now it's very, it's, it's very failed because the reality is I didn't find it. I found Jesus, the one who loves me most and cares about me most. I found him and he, he gave me his spirit. In fact, the, the word says that he put the spirit in me, the spirit, so that he might be fully formed in my life instantaneous. Uh, you know, I understand that. When, when you trusted Christ, you went from, from a death sentence to a life, to a, to a freedom, to an opportunity for life. And yet, until Christ is fully formed in us, and just so you know, Carolyn Prahanic, my friend over there, we've been friends for, Lord knows, 30 years, 40 years. And she would tell you that God is still working. God is still revealing himself to her. And um, she was married to a guy that was probably a little more like me than, than, you know, he talked a lot. I mean, he spoke great things. But we haven't got it. We're, we're on a pathway of walking with God, but we, we really... We're, we're, we're on a pathway. And so when I bring my friend, my friend Bevan comes along and we, we talk and we, we speak into each other's lives, I don't speak as somebody that knows it. I just speak as somebody that's on the same road to know God and to know the father of, of, of the captain of my soul, to know him and to see Jesus fully formed in us. I, I think it's a little bit of an error when somebody says, um, well, why are you saved? They go, well, I've got Jesus in my heart. You know, that's, you have the spirit. You have the spirit of Christ in your heart. But the reality is that Jesus 
is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, and he is being your lawyer, and he is speaking against lies in your life, and he is cheering you on. And there are times when he's up on his tiptoes and saying, I, I just, you know, that I'm cheering for you, and I want you more than anything. But the, but, but the, the spirit that God caused to, to be in you is the spirit of adoption and, and, and is being, being changed. We talked about, the, you know, the John 1.12. He gave us power and he gave us authority and he gave us the very right to be called children of God. And yet too often we see in scripture the difference. Jesus told parables about sons and slaves you know, slave is someone that's working to attain something, and a son is someone who is, understands whose he is. I'm a father of four, and nothing is more true than um, just to uh, see my children and to see them walk and to have trials and difficult times. You know, but I know that the God is their focus and that God is, is doing something in their life to grow them to be everything uh, that, that, that eternity that he has really desired for them to be. Romans 8.15 says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You have a choice to submit to the spirit of spirit of, of 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 adoption, or to pay attention to this world system and to fall back into a mindset of fear, and so on. And and so often, guys, so often it's just really apparent to me that because we we receive Christ and we go out into the community of God, and then we hear other people talking all the time, well, God told me this, and God told me that, and God did this, and God did that, and yet you're still, you're still in the, in the, in the child-sized um, uh, re reality of just learning that we think, well, everybody else has it, and I don't have it. I mean, I don't hear God like that person does. And, and, and the sad part is, is from that stance, we lose, we can lose people because they don't understand this word called process. I think the Bible really will call it sanctification. You know, well, well, they didn't get healed when I prayed for them, or they, or the, you know, I've been praying for this, and God hasn't done it yet, or done whatever, whatever your trial is. The reality is, is that you are God's, and your prayers matter to God, and that God is going to use anything and everything. Romans eight twenty eight, for God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And those he foreknew, he also predestined that they might be like Jesus, that Jesus would be the firstborn of many sons. God's not happy with just a son of God. He wants 
He wants us all, by the way, this is, there's not a woke crowd here. I know that if you're a daughter, daughter, if you're a son, overlook that I've said that too many times maybe, but, but understand that it's God's desire that we'd all walk as sons and God is going to use anything and everything in our life to bring us into that more full, um, but God is, um, he, his shadow don't shift. He doesn't change. His desire for eternity has been that he would have sons and daughters with him. You know, it's Jesus in you that is the hope of that glory. Amen? Amen. So, um, so we just have to really understand that so many times there's, there is a difference between what God has for us and what our unredeemed nature is willing to settle for is really two different things. And understand that it's not, it's not, I'm not up here with a, with a hammer, you know, to beat on, to beat on this and to say, you know, uh, this is what you've got to do and so on, because it's the love of God that draws us deeper into repentance and into the knowledge of God. There is Romans 8, 1, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. If you felt condemned this week, you can tell the one that made you feel condemned to go to hell where he belongs. Because the reality is there is no condemnation. Does God want more for you? Yes. If you're a believer, you're going to find that some things that you used to get away with, all of a sudden you don't get away with anymore. Ever been there? Boy, I have. Remember, retired car dealer? Heck, that's got to be, got to be something there to be said. I won't say it. But God's going to do whatever God will do in order to bring us into a deeper, deeper relationship. In the book of James, it says, um, don't you know that friendship, the world is hostility towards God? When we talk about the world, um, if, if we can be so liberal to look at it this way, friendship of the world is really uh, still being uh, familiar with our old self. You know, I mean, repentance, contrary to some people that we've bumped into over a period of time, repentance isn't a one-time thing. In fact, if you have chosen to be a child of God, it'll be something that moment by moment happens. As we saw in, in Psalm 119, the, the, the scripture talks about the, the heavens declare the glories of God. And yet later on in the Psalms, what does it take? It takes the psalmist, David, takes him to, Lord, show me my hidden faults. Show me where I failed you, whatever. But it's still in the backdrop of the mercy of God. It's not by a God who's sitting there ready to judge you and, and so on, because the truth is the spirit he put inside you is a spirit of adoption that before there was distractions, 
before there was other things that 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 spirit spoke to you in a in a in a loving sort of way and was drawing you into him and was drawing you into him and unfortunately because we have cell phones are just one of the distractions but if we could if we could let the confusion die and be able to hear the spirit which God has put in us crying out he's still crying out abba abba father it's not going to change it's not going to change Ephesians 1, verse 13, this is maybe more review, but um, it says, and you were included in Christ, you heard the message of truth when you believed, you were marked with him with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Listen, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It says that when you trusted Christ, that the Holy Spirit was the down payment of more. Now, I've already told you, and most of you know, I, um, I sold cars for close to 30 years and, uh, and so on. And uh, for the most part, I tried every day to... Um, a friend of mine shared it years and years ago when he said, under promise and over deliver. And I really did try to do that. But when, as a salesman, if all you did was meet people at the door and tell them everything that's wrong with something, rather than the points of what is good about it, probably, probably you should be in another line of work because uh, it doesn't work like that. But I mean, I really always tried to um, people would come in and, and you know, be in a budget of uh, $500 or $1,000 or something like that. And, uh, and, you know, well, what do you want? Well, I like a Honda. I like low miles. And uh, I don't want anything that's ever been wrecked before. And uh, sunroof. You know, you go, okay. Well, yeah, you know, the reality is there's unrealistic expectation there. You know, because... On my best day, that didn't happen very often. But the other side of the coin is as a dealer, when the people come in, the idea is to overpromise and underdeliver. People that, one of the things that probably took me out of the industry, and eh, God used it to get me out and to be able to do what I'm able to do today, but was um, that the finance industry has taken over so much of of the car business. There's like new dealerships, good people, um, Anderson Ford, people like that, that are, you know, good dealers and sell new cars and sell almost new cars. And in my day, people ask me what I do. And I'd say, well, Rose, I, I sell cars a little closer to the junkyard than the showroom. <laughs> well, how is that for being realistic? It's the truth. It was the truth. But, um, but little by little, the industry has gotten to where it revolves around a down payment. But so, so that down payment, because, and these are people that say, oh, I need a car and I need it to be able to do this and, and I need to be able to, 
you know, to take my family to, to school and I need to be able to do this and I want to get a job and I want to do this. I need this car. And you listen to the car and you go, it's supercar, you know? And yet the down payment isn't, is not enough really to, to warrant something that is maybe that level of a car. And the problem is that people give the down payment, they take the car and they take, they're taking payments, I mean, high interest, and they're making payments. And worst case scenario, six months down the road, transmission starts to slip. I'm going to tell you something. The, car, the dealer didn't know that. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I'm, it, uh, he didn't know that. But, but things start to break. It's the middle of summer. And, uh, and the air conditioner goes out. And, and then you take and you go to get it fixed and it's, it's $1,500. And you're buying a car with 85,000 miles, maybe 110. And so the, 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 the curve of maintenance gets more steep as you go along. And by the time you're, by the time you're two years into paying this loan off, you spend another $4,000 and you're not proud of what, you, what your car is. I have a friend that just sold his old car to some good people. And, you know, he was so, so honest to say, okay, you know, this is the car, you know, it is what it is. He sold it for a good price. And, and, uh, and uh, now he hears on a daily basis, on a regular basis, just how good this car is. It's like a treasure to these people. And, you know, he was afraid to drive it across the street. Not really. But, you know, it had reached its, its level of what it was worth. Down payment and the performance really didn't quite measure up. But this, the, this scripture says that God, um, that, that he, he, put, he, he put in us a down payment of the of really of the glory of God that the and and, and of, he put the down payment of the spirit in our lives as a down payment for what is to come there's more and it's just the opposite you you pay, pay a big down payment buying a car and the car is worse but this is different you get the down payment given to you by God with the per sole purpose of, that, of, of the spirit in you being grown to maturity, to look like Christ. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And yet sometimes in our language, you know, we, we make people think because they're not prophesying on the first day or whatever. I mean, I understand the joy of, of your salvation, my brother back there in the back row who I won't embarrass, Matt. Anyway, you know, I understand that. I, I saw this thing come into your life and, and you and, and, and your wife and their family and God has done some amazing things. There was a joy. There was a, there was a, there was a, a definite change. He went from death to life and there was definitely a change. But God has more. There's more. And God wants, he, he really, he wants to see Christ fully formed 
in us, Bevan, fully formed. And you know the trial you've been through? You know the difficult time that you've been through? I get it. But God will cause all that to work together for good, to grow you into being something that is way beyond earthly possibility. So, but that's, we have to see that because if not, when we have our friends and we pray with them, he says, okay, go read your Bible. Go, go, you know, go do this, go do that. Sometimes we don't say why. It's for, you know, there's discipleship things. It's, you know, I like to point people to the book of John, you know, talks about the love of God and everything like that, but it doesn't end there. Praying the Psalms is so good, looking at the Psalms, because Psalm by Psalm, you see the revelation of God to a different person at a different time, and it spoke into their life, and that revelation was life-changing for them. When David was in sin, he saw the steadfast love and mercy of his God. And, and there are people who I would think are somewhat pharisaical that you'll hear them sometimes and they'll say something like, well, nowhere in the Bible does God use this or does God use this or whatever. You know what? As God reveals himself to you, I invite you, I encourage you to get your journal and write your own song. Because, because the... The, the glory of God has not been, is not, it has not been fully manifested and God is using the church as a manifold witness to the world about our God and about who he is and about what he does. As we chose, choose to surrender to his spirit living in us, some tell you when you receive Jesus, you get everything, Right? In regards to salvation, as far as forgiveness, I would agree. John 3.16, right? But I think I am convinced that God wants us to experience God more and more fully in this life. John 10.10, our friends the McDonald's base their scripture, their, um, their mission in life on this. I come that you might have life and that you might have Abundantly more. Look at that. Look at that video today. Oh, no, don't do anything. Uh, the video today. You know, I think that when I, when I was thinking about this, by the way, I've really thought about what I call spiritual formation. I thought about it a lot for the last couple, last year and a half or something. But when, when I think about it, when, when David was in the sheep fields at night being a shepherd and, and those, um, um, he looked up and he said, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. When he did that, I mean, he was, he was looking just through natural eyes and seeing what it is. And then as time went on, people that were looking for God in the midst of that, they got a telescope. And then they started to chart the stars. 
And there was a time, not that many, not, there's people that are alive right now that thought that the Milky Way was the extent of our universe. Well, of our, yeah, our solar system. Yeah, our, our universe. And um, I get it. But then they come up with the hub, 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 hubba, Hubble telescope. And now they send this telescope into, into the sky and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. And now they know of many solar systems and many, many places where the stars, where the stars are put. It says he makes a cradle for the sun. But the revelation that David had was about that glory that God showed in the skies. You know, and some people think, oh, well, now we know that the Bible can't be true, that God couldn't have done what he did, and, you know, all sorts of things. Well, when you go into an experiment with the wrong hypotheses, you are bound to find the wrong answer. And it's nothing for me to look at the universe, look at the different solar systems now, and so when people say, well, there's, there's more, and I go, yeah, there's a lot more. And the reality is, is as, as our eyes have gone further, it's no big deal for God to say, okay, more. Let's do another solar system. Let's do another, another, um, another set of stars, another different sort of thing. It's no big deal for him. Because he is the creator. I want to put up a couple slides here, um, if we can. Let's talk about our life. So this is too often what our life looks like. You know, we have family and hobbies and church activities, friends, work, health, community. And yet we try to take and we try to fit God into that deal. And the problem is when it comes to this, um, this picture, there's nowhere to put him. You know, and we try to incorporate him. You know, we, we start going to, uh, um, you know, a health club where they're, they're Christian people. Maybe we'll bump into a little bit of people there or maybe some different things will happen. But we, um, we try to put, fit God into our pre-existing world. Paul says, it is no longer I who liveth, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I live. I live into the faith of the Son of God. So it's, it's not God. I don't think the answer is God necessarily fitting into our world. Here's another uh, video or another, no, not video another picture, and uh, this one, it seems like it's way more um, significant. Um, you know, with God in the center, and then everything we look at flows out of that. I would argue the better, the better picture is God in me. Perfect world though, God in the center flowing out through every part of our being. 
Yet too often I've tried to fit God's best into my world instead of me striving to be into his will. Since the fall of 1978, it really did happen. I've tried my best to to fit God into my preconceived world. It's a good idea. You know, I did a lot of stuff, but you could do a lot of stuff and still be a slave. But when we come into the revelation of who God is and, and, and who Jesus is, we come into that revelation um, that, that it's, not, it's not me who lives. It's Christ in me. And that as I navigate through life, I experience more and more and more of his nature. I think of Paul. Paul, you know, wow, what a... What an unbelievable, I mean, the thing, the pattern that God had, he had 12 apostles, one fell off, and then Paul comes along, who's a Samaritan of Samaritans. He knows the law. He comes along and and he sees, kind of like Martin Luther did at a later time, that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. And he goes through this life change. And so when we look at the New Testament letters, Guys, we so often just say, oh, that's a letter to the Corinthians or that's a letter to the Galatians or a letter to the Ephesians. Friend, if you look inside there, you will see letters written by someone who God has been revealed to and is growing us, growing him to be something that is beyond what he could have ever been. Those, those things he says, you know, you, you hear him and you go, wow. I mean, he really had it. He did, but those things that he said were reflection of the path that God had going in his life. I've seen it in people. See, I've seen it in my friends. I'm going to pick on Bo. He's not here. Yes. I kind of knew him at his worst day, and I've gotten to watch him as God has unfolded his plan and his life. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing. I'm sure he stubs his toe on occasion. I'm sure that God's still teaching him lessons and stuff like that. But God wants to reveal his glory more and more and more and more in our lives. And he does that through a, a process. All right, so this is your life. And you walk through life and you, um, you know, from the cradle, you, you walk along, you know, I was, I was baptized as a young man, as an infant, and, you know, I went through Catholic grade school, high school and stuff, and little by little, I went through this life and and, uh, and so on. But this is my life, and I walked through times like this, and when I was about 14 years old, oh no, no, as life went on, my brother came to know the Lord, and he tried to tell me about Jesus. He tried to tell me about Jesus, and, and I wasn't really ready to listen to him yet. I got real close, but I didn't. 
and I kept going through life, and life's trials happened, and in 1978, I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to stop here for a second, because Julie and uh, Anne, Liz, William isn't here, that work in the Child Evangelism Fellowship. You know what? These guys are faithful every week to show up. But we're there. We are there. The people that go there are there to put seed in their life so that they might be familiar with the seed, with who Jesus is, and stuff like that. And so they continue to go through life like this until, until like in my life, it was November of 1978, a big thing happened. I was married and I was just sure that being married was gonna be the thing that was gonna fulfill my dreams. And I received Christ in my brother's driveway. I said, Jesus, if you love me the way that my brother says you love me, then I just surrender my life to you. I, I, I give it over to you, and, uh, and, and so on. And at that point, God puts, he puts, he puts the spirit of adoption, he puts the spirit in our life that is constantly crying out, Abba, Father. He wants, he wants all of us. You might say, you hear that, I'll love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. How am I going to do that when I can't give up my, my, uh, my, my chewing skull? Not, no, no condemnation intended. I mean, how can I love him with everything I've got when I still have these rough edges? But the truth is, is that God takes us and that we start to walk, walk in in the realm of where God is, and we continue to walk through life. And little by little, you know, there's, there's moments where the, where the Spirit of God is moving us more, and we see things in the Bible um, that we see the Word of God when God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Indeed, your soul knows it well, and we we get drawn closer and closer to the will of God for our life. And we go through this process. Now this, what happens down here is called justification, okay? When you receive Christ and you, you receive the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, for your sins, for our sins, justification happened. All of a sudden, God looked at you and he sees you just as if you never sinned. The cloak of the blood has covered your sin and he sees you as righteous and holy and, and you, are, you are saved. Your heavenly, um, your, your heavenly assurance is bought, bought and paid for. Amen? Come on, somebody, somebody awake still? Okay. So, but that's justification. But little by little, we go through this process of life. By the way, that's why the church is important. 
Because it gives us a place where we can learn to not only love God, but we can learn to love people. We can learn to love people that are different from us. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And yet, day by day, year by year by year, and uh, you know, at this point of justification, everybody said, well, Pastor Sean said, well, you know, start to read your Bible. And every week he, he gives another nudge. You go, why is that important? The reason that's important is because God wants to work a sanctifying work in each and every one of our lives. And he wants the revelation of the ages of who, who God was to Elijah and God was to Moses and God was to Paul and God was to Peter, even when he denied the Lord that that revelation of those people would, would guide us and bring us closer and closer to his will. And you know, you could say, you know, um, I told you I got saved in 78, and I've been to Brown, uh, for you old timers, I've been to Brownsville, and I've been to Springfield, and I've been to Sedalia, I've been to Toronto, I've been to all these places, all these, these shrines where revival was going on. You know, and, and I, you know, there was something to be said about that, but you know what? This, this, this line hardly ever has this sort of a turn. It hardly ever shows a turn like that. But little by little, that spirit of adoption, that spirit that God has caused to live inside of us is continuing to draw us closer and closer until the, to the heart of, the, of God. Get this, as the, as the universe is expansive, Randy, whatever your revelation of Jesus is today, it, there's more. Barnum and Bailey, his line was, always leave the people wanting more. He got that from God. I won't try to defend that thought. There's more. I mean, Gene, whatever God was, the revelation of God when you were a teenager, when you're a young, a 20-some-year-old, he's got you as a father and a grandfather, and God is revealing himself in your, in your life for the sole purpose that we can, can, can see as Paul said, Christ fully formed in us. Why do you think Jesus kind of had this, yeah, he did, had this thing about Pharisees? Wonder why. You know why? It's because they had come to this point and they come to this point and said, we know it all, we've got it figured out. If you don't wash your hands in, in dial soap, you're unclean and, 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 and so on and so forth. Because the truth is, the full revelation of Jesus Christ, even though it, we've seen the book of Acts and we've seen that, we've seen revelation of, 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 of the coming, God is still revealing us to 
He's still revealing himself to us. And as the universe is so expansive, you know what? If you get to a point, yeah, I pick on my friend Rodney, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the coolest people I've ever known. And, you know, I can ask him about questions and stuff. And, and you know, I might consider him to be really there, but he's there. And the fullness of God is still worth grasping. It's still worth reaching out for. Guys, don't let the Bible, don't let reading the Bible be something that, that um, don't let it be something that is, uh, is a chore. That's what slaves do. But that that spirit of sonship, that spirit of adoption that God puts in us, that we would daily, you may say, hey, my, my Bible reading has been, been dry for a while. Ever been there? There's more. You know, tomorrow when you get up or even this afternoon, get on, you know, that we would drop to our knees and we would, we would say, I want you, God. My heart is crying out, Abba, Father, and I want you more than anything. Because there is more. It's not of works. It's the, it's the spirit of adoption that God put in us. And you will never, listen, some of the most frustrated people I've ever known in my whole lives are people that have accepted this justification, but they're getting lost in this circle here. Of, this, is, this is sanctification. You know, I, you know, Paul even said it. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't always do it. Guys, if you think you've seen persecution in our world, you haven't seen the beginning of it. And God wants to fully form himself in a people that's main desire is to know him better. There's more. Friends in here, people I've talked to in the last week. Um, you know, if you have that thought that says, well, you know, I want this sanctification thing to be all through so that I can, you know, so that I can do whatever, so I can be a, a deacon in the church or I can do whatever. God moved me into ministry. I'll do whatever. My friend Cody, who's back there, you know, a few years, a couple years ago, he, he left a, one job that was, that he couldn't sense the kingdom of God in it. And yet God has opened up this whole, I didn't ask him for permission. Turn the lights out if I'm, if I'm off. Yeah. But see, Cody is on this, he's on this path of, of sanctification that God is using. God is using everything. Uh, uh, anything. God will cause anything together for good to those who love God. The, really, the core of this is loving God and not just loving God, but knowing that He loves you. Joe, He loves you with an eternal love and there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you any less. And this is sure. This was sure with, with Paul. Sanctification is something, we kind of think it was a, you know, Christianese 101, justification 102, sanctification. I don't care where you're at, if you're as old as, as Jim Griffiths, God, God 
is still going to do in your life what it takes to bring more fruit and to bring more glory to Him because it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And until Jesus is fully formed in our life, we can fall prey. our own nature I give up I'm tired I'm tired you know what it's just about that time where we're tired that God is going to use to bring more fullness of Jesus in you that's why I'm so glad that I have a church community around me the sanctification, this more, because in reality, sanctification is opening our eyes up to more of God, okay? It opens our eyes up to more revelation about Him and, and who He is and, and the expanse of His, golly, Marty, can you, I mean, can you even start to have a clue just how much God likes you. And as we become more and more familiar with the heart of God, little by little, we will find that it will change everything. It'll change our devotions. It'll change our song. It'll change our destiny. God's not done. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so his ways are much higher than our ways. It changes everything. Eternal living does not wait to experience God as we leave this life. Eternal living is focused on him now and walking in sweet surrender to his heart, moment by moment. I have a quote here. It's from a guy named Henry Skugel. He says, true religion is a, is a union of the soul with God, a real participation of the divine nature, the very image of God, drawn upon the soul, or in the apostles' words, Christ being fully formed in you. Would you bow your heads with me? Worship team, you could come. Father, I feel today like there are some that have maybe have been where I have been, that they, they've, they've lost. They're, they're still following you, but they've lost their desire to pray or they've lost their desire to, to look at the word or to do whatever because they thought in, in knowing those words that they have eternal life. I am so glad that you justified me and you justified my friends just as if I never sinned and that I, I, am, I am destined for a heavenly uh, uh, destination. And yet, Lord, as I walk through this life, I still struggle. I still, I'm still wrestling. Say, well, where are you at now, God? Or where are you at now, God? Or, or my friend Tina has cancer. 
or I lose my friends. Where are you at? Where are you at? There's two answers. One is I'm right here. Second answer is that I am using, I'm using all things to work together for your good. And I want to grow you into something that is way beyond your capacity to see, understand, or whatever. There's more. There's more of God. There's more love to be experienced. There's more forgiveness to be experienced. Your destiny is still your destiny, and you have not given that up. God still has you on a crash course to fulfill your destiny, but it's through the sanctifying work of the spirit of adoption in you that will draw us, draw us closer and closer and closer to the very heart of God. If that's you, I've got my eyes closed. Hope I don't fall off the podium here. That would be bad. But if that's you today and you said, you'd say, Lord... I surrender to your very heart. Wherever I'm at today, I don't want it to be where I'm at tomorrow. I want you to draw me and continue to work in me and through me so that that you might be seen, that I don't just live with the down payment of eternity, but I live with the glory of God who is Christ in me. And I'm going to see you day by day by day by day more and more growing and working in my life. I want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.